making this move, you know, the, the, the underground was shot in Colombia. So I basically have a, a, a separate crew and a separate cast. The above ground was shot in Chile, you know, very close to the, the place where the events really happened in the Atacama Desert with a whole new cast and a whole new crew and everything. So it was basically like shooting two movies. Because, you know, as you know from the story, the, the miners and the, and the families and the record, they never met except for day one and day 69 when they come out. So it was really interesting to shoot two movies and never knowing how they were going to connect with each other, you know. So there was a lot of exploration also in the editing of, as to creating the connections. Um, from, from the darkest place in the world to the, you know, the brightest place in the world also, because the Atacama Desert is certainly the brightest place in the world. The voice you just heard is uh, director Patricia Reagan speaking about the challenges of filming the dual narrative structure of her film, The 33, which recounts the story of the um, Chilean miners that were trapped underground. Um, the film opens wide on November 13th, and actually I think it has some Oscar buzz around it. Um, it was one of the special presentation screenings at this year's Heartland Film Festival here in Indianapolis, and that's kind of what this entire episode is structured about, or structured around. This episode is a special episode of The Obsessive Viewer. My name is Matt Hurt. You can find me at, uh, at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter, and then my co-host is Tiny. And you can find me at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. Yes. How's it going, Tiny? Very, very well. Good. Uh, so, like, like we said, this, uh, we're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be a genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find back episodes of the podcast at ovpodcast.com. So, Tiny, this was our first time having press passes of any kind to anything. It was. It was. And I wish I could have taken better advantage of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was, I mean, it was. I would consider it like an honor. Yeah. I mean, that they, they like considered us, you know, uh, uh, quality enough uh, media outlet to give us press passes and let us see free movies basically well i may have embellished a little bit about our numbers and everything in the forums wow. but that's fine no no i'm kidding but um wow yeah that was kind of my my kind of thought process too was that i basically like, like my thought process was that they gave us these press passes which gave us unlimited access to screenings at heartland film festival um regular screenings they had special presentation screenings throughout it but basically the equivalent to our press pass was the cinephile screenings pass, which gives them the same access that it gave us, but that cost $210. Right. So like my thought was like, okay, they gave these, they gave us these, um, passes on good faith that we would cover it. So I, I basically did as much as I could and, uh, covered as much as I could and everything. And it was a, overall a really great experience. And, uh, I'll talk more about that, but tiny of, of the, um, couple times that you were able to go to it what did you how did you feel about the atmosphere and the general feel of it uh, i was very very impressed um i i was only able to see two films um and i saw them at the same theater but i mean just just from the outset like as you go into the theater there's uh you know decals all over the front of the theater for heartland film festival so i mean they're advertising it right away they have their own special computers to print out your tickets they have their own special attendants to take your tickets and they have someone in they have someone who's representative of the fe the festival come in and speak before each movie mm -hmm. and they give I thought you, that was a really nice touch it was yeah. and then they give you these little cards that you can you know it just very very it just demonstrates how much they thought out every single facet of this they give you this little card where it has one through five from the 
top to the bottom on the side of this card and you're supposed to, you know, use it to rank the film, but obviously, obviously no one has a pen on them. No one thinks to bring a pen to a theater. So they just had a line there and you would just tear it to rank the movie and then you'd give it back to them at the end. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's just all the attention to detail and all of the, just the, the, the massive effort put in by everybody. Oh um, yeah. Just really, really, really impressed me, even though I was only there twice. Right. And really impressed. For context, Heartland Film Festival is a uh, is is a film festival that takes place in Indianapolis every October or around October, I think. Uh, this was the twenty fourth uh, annual 20, Heartland Heartland Film Festival, and uh, this one took place uh, at the theater at Castleton, the AMC Theater at Castleton Square on the north side, and as well as Traders Point here on the here on the west ish side. Um, would that technically be west side or northwest side? Northwest side. Northwest side. Yeah. And then also the Wheeler Arts Community Center in Fountain Square, where uh, Fountain Square is actually where the Heartland offices are. And uh, longtime listeners will actually probably remember um, in uh, one of our PopCon episodes, one of the uh, marketing people from Heartland came to our booth and talked to us. That was Sarah on uh, OV114 at the 57-minute mark. Um, and then also that kind of leads me into talk about the, the the staff of Heartland. It was incredible like how – how nice they were and everything. Like I, <laughs> I was approached by Greg, the the um, marketing director of Heartland. Uh, like I think it was the second second day I was there, and he was like, "Hey, I'm Greg. How's it going?" I was like, "I'm pretty good." And then he's like, "I, I was like, I'm Matt." And then he kind of looked at my tag and he's like, "Oh, you're the Matt from from Twitter. You've been tweeting about <laughs> us." And I was like, "Yeah, totally." And he's like, "Yeah, I really appreciate it." And then from then from there, I basically I got a chance to talk to both Greg and Sarah throughout the throughout the festival, and like they were genuinely very appreciative of the cover that I was providing for Heartland and and it was really it was really nice to see that kind of uh closeness to to the press to the press of it and then, like they gave me like I had tons of opportunities that I <laughs> that some I grabbed and others I grabbed and then uh kind of fumbled a little bit but I, <laughs> I still took a lot of uh opportunities and I'll talk about those in length uh in our next segment but it was just overall just an amazing uh film festival for me and it was it was it was fantastic. It was it was really fantastic. Did, well, I think you did a hell of a job because oh, thanks. I mean, you you went to a movie every single day of the, of the at least one movie every single day of yeah. the uh, of the, the festival. So that's really impressive. But then you know, you had the 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 chops to go up and just talk to someone impromptu, just like right off the bat, and just you know didn't you didn't have time to prepare and think of questions, and so I think you cut yourself some slack. I think you did a pretty good job. Oh, thanks. Well, <laughs> when you hear the recordings, you'll. <laughs> You'll sing a different tune, but um, not an easy thing to do. Right, it was a lot of fun. It was it was really fun, and I mentioned in previous episodes uh, over the summer I went to Indie Film Fest. I didn't actually have a press pass to that, mm-hmm. and uh, I re-listened to OV One Nineteen, uh, which is where I talked about um, I talked about Indie Film Fest, and I said in that in that episode I said. Uh, I, I said that I had a, a, a page of the site separated for Indie Film Fest where I, where I provided my reasonably extensive coverage of the film festival. <laughs> In that on that page for Indie Film Fest, I watched like five movies and posted like nine, or I saw six movies and posted nine posts mm-hmm. about the film fest and everything. And I'll talk about my stats here in a bit, but. Um, it's just funny to hear that, knowing how extensively I tackled Heartland. But before we get to that, Tiny, how, what was your history with Heartland? How did you know about? Did you know much about Heartland? I did. Um, I, I remember. I think it was last year. Uh, it, it was a really big deal because um, 
Robert Downey Jr. was in town for it. Yeah. Because I think the, the opening movie, maybe, was The Judge. I think so, yeah. I think it was the opening movie. So he was here, and like that's you know that's I think that's probably the biggest star power, star power they've probably had right. at the festival. Um, I can't speak to the years previously, but mm-hmm. um, I think one year they had like Rob Reiner come and show a movie here. Um, so I mean, it's it's a big deal for a it city is. like Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. You know, we're not we don't necessarily have any special connection to film here, right? We um, don't even have like tax incentives to to shoot in Indiana. Oh yeah, exactly. currently it's it's but it's really cool to see to see both Heartland and Indie Film Fest having this big this big presence and this long standing presence and mm-hmm. being able to just knock it out of the park with it is amazing. Absolutely. Um. So so. <laughs> uh, some anecdotes before we get into the actual um, content of what what we saw, what I saw um, at at Heartland. I kind of want to go through some stats. Um, <laughs> so, Tiny mentioned that I saw a movie every day. <laughs> there were, I believe, two days where I only could only see one movie. Um, so total, the total amount of movies that I saw at Heartland, which let me preface this by saying I'm really, really single, guys. <laughs> like, super single. Um, over the 10-day period, uh, I went to 25 screenings, which were 24, 24 of the scheduled screenings plus one press screening of the 33, uh, which was on uh, the Friday of Shocktober in Irvington. <laughs> uh, so basically, I woke up. Woke up that Friday, went to the press screening, which it was me and two other people, uh, including the uh, writer for uh, in, uh, the Indie Star, the, the the film critic for that, Dave Lindquist. Cool. Um, yeah, and so I went to that, and then I actually <laughs> I actually skipped a job interview to go to that, uh, <laughs> but it was fine because the the company didn't seem that like it seemed kind of shady. But anyway, so I went to that, and then did Shocktober in Irvington, and then uh, Shocktober in Irvington coincided with the. Um, Heartland Film Festival's opening movie, which was Room, which I'm really excited to see when it gets a wide release. And I wish I could have gone to it, but, you know, Shocktober and Irvington. But so basically, after Shocktober and Irvington, the next day was Saturday, and I just went to the theater and saw five movies. Or uh, Saturday, I saw four movies. And then the next, and then Sunday, I went and saw five movies. And then Monday through Friday, after work, go home, change, go to the movie theater, see a couple movies, and then rounded it out Saturday and Sunday um, of this past weekend, seeing five movies each day and doing all the activities and stuff. It was exhausting in the best possible way. And it was funny because Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, I didn't get home until like midnight and I had to be at work at 4 a.m. for a 12-hour shift. Jeez. So it's so like last night, we're recording this Tuesday. Last night was the first night in like two weeks I've been able to sleep from for an extensive period of time without having a bunch of stuff on but anyway like the stuff a bunch of stuff on my mind or anything so anyway uh the breakdown of what i saw is i saw um obviously with with heartland they have um both feature features and shorts um and i think that they have a total they had a total of i think 145 yeah 140 Um, something yeah I think that includes the shorts and the, and the features. But mm-hmm. anyway, so they had uh, tons, tons of movies. So what I saw was 21, 21 of the 25 screenings I went to were features, which breaks down to 13 narrative features, meaning fiction and, and you know, narratives, uh, and eight documentaries. And then uh, four of those 25 screenings were shorts blocks, uh, which were just blocks of short films, which totaled out to 23 total short films, which were which further broke down to eleven narratives and twelve documentaries, and uh, 
I actually went through and uh, tallied up the time spent in the theaters. Uh, of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> Over the 10-day period of Heartland Film Festival, and I can't stress enough, I am single, um, I spent 39.6 hours. It was your second job. It was, it was, and that's, <laughs> and that's exactly what, what it was to me. It was, yeah. it was, it was a job. Like, I actually, when I talked to the filmmakers and stuff, I, and if I mentioned, uh, or if they asked what I did or whatever, I, like, I, I mentioned, like, my day job is a security guard, and like, I just tackled it as if it was my job, and, and I think I got, as much as I could out of it, um, and and I it was really satisfying to me. It was amazing, um, and I was really excited because I found out on on the internet that um, <laughs> apparently next year's Heartland Film Festival is October twenty first to October thirtieth, so we won't overlap with Shocktober in Irvington. So hmm. they won't steal our thunder this time. They won't. They won't. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're gonna get to. And by the way, and it, it was amazing. It was amazing to me because not only was Heartland amazing and, and the staff was amazing and the, and the volunteers and everyone that put in work to make it amazing were great, um, but they also had – like they have some really incredible movies. They got like an, an incredible set of movies to, to show at the film festival. Not only that, they got like – tons of the filmmakers there so after after a lot of screenings they had the filmmakers come up and do a Q&A and then they'd hang out in the lobby and that's how I was able to get um, sound bites from from tons of people like throughout this episode you were you were going to be hearing the recordings of me talking to the filmmakers uh, most for the most part all of them directly after I saw their film and it's it was just such a such a gratifying experience and and like I mentioned in um, the podcast episode, uh, where I talked about Indie Film Fest. Um, in OV119, I mentioned that it was fun at Indie Film Fest to pretend to be a critic. And Heartland, I kind of, I took that like idea and just ran with it. And this was like the most film critic thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and it was incredible. It was, it was awesome. So, so we're going to, before we get into like the meat of what I saw, I'm going to give Tiny time to talk about the, the movies that he saw. Uh, but before that, I'm going to throw it to this recording that I had with uh, Dave Manu- uh, Manugian, um, <laughs> who's the director of a, of a documentary feature called, um, called The Big Lonely, uh, which I saw on, it was actually funny, I saw it on, I think, uh, Sunday, Sunday, and like I tweeted out, like in the lobby afterwards, I tweeted, like after every screening, I would tweet out with the hashtag HeartlandFF, and I would say the title of the movie, and I would say just my a brief 140 character thoughts on it. So as I'm tweeting it, I'm like looking, I'm like, the director's right there. Like he's literally like <laughs> right on the next, at the next table from me. So I yeah. sent it off and talked to him and all that. And it was great. It was great. So here's my recording with Dave Minugian. Uh This was actually recorded after we saw a movie called Homeless. Um, uh, uh, like next to the, like the next day because I didn't get a chance to talk to him that day, like record him that day. So here it is, and uh, yeah, it didn't resonate with me. I think I was just so you know, kind of the movie. I was just taking the whole movie in, and today when I saw that clip, I'm like, how did I? I mean, I Cap was one of my favorite directors. That's right? one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. How did I miss that? It was a wonderful life clip the first time. So, <laughs> and it's such a great, it's a great scene in the in the. In that it really movie. is. Oh, it yeah. really is. And I was probably so perplexed with the whole, you know, the CIA story right. and all that that I wasn't paying attention to the clip. It's on a nice the TV. bit of levity in that scene. It is. Too. It's, it it's is really, really strong film, and it's it pairs really well with with yours too because it's yeah. both about about a very a very specific issue in yeah. our world today yeah. and 
and and especially with your with your movie. By the way, uh, this is Matt. You're listening to the Obsessive Viewer. Um, I'm here with David. How do you pronounce your last name? I'm Manugian. Manugian. Okay, I didn't want to didn't want to butcher that because you I'm wouldn't be the first one. You wouldn't have been the first one. <laughs> He's the director of The Big Lonely, which is currently screening at uh, Harland Film Festival. Uh, here in Indianapolis, and uh, why don't you just just uh, really briefly just tell us about your movie and and um, and tell us just tell give us a background on what the movie is and and how it came to be. Great, thanks. Yeah, so the big lonely is about a man who uh, becomes homeless, and rather than go and live under a bridge, he decides to move out into the middle of the Oregon wilderness and builds his own cabin by hand on uh, on government land secretly. And so it's really about, a, on one level, a survival story, but really on a whole nother level is mentally how he deals with a life that hasn't turned out the way he had ever dreamed. And coming to grips with everything from, you know, the depression of it to feeling like a failure uh, to not being not having seen a daughter um, for 30 years and 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 how he overcomes all that and just every day puts one foot in front of the other and tries to live out his remaining days is you know as prideful as possible right yeah and that that's such a the way that you filmed it the way that the the movie was filmed was that he, he like the title card at the beginning of the film says that this movie was uh, shot by its main character which is such a unique uh, perspective to get in such a such a it lends such a candid feel to what he's going through emotionally and given that it's his seventh year of isolation in, in the wilderness there that it kind of it feels like he's He's almost relishing the opportunity to share what he, what his insights are, and it's so it's such a it's such a it's such a, a personal story, and the way that he the way that he uh, tells it is so poignant and eloquent. And I I just want to know um, how many how much how much uh, of a hassle was it to edit it all together? Because I know that he had the yeah. he had the cameras for uh, about 11 months, you said, and, uh, and it must have been just a, a massive undertaking to edit it into a, into such a strongly strongly depicted narrative in the final film. Um, yeah, so I, you know, two two things on the front end. I think that you know, logistically, it would have been very difficult to have a camera crew out there just because mm-hmm. of the harshness of the environment. But also, I really, um, I really wanted to make sure this story, uh, his story, and the viewer was were immersed and 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 felt like they were right there with him when he's in a, when he's running a trap line in the middle of the winter. I wanted to. I wanted people to feel like they were crunching through the snow with him, and when he was starving, they were hungry. And and I think that there is just something really. I, I kind of liken it to a you know an acoustic version of a of a of a movie you'd 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 normally see where everything is just stripped down to just you know just the story and just the person. So that was number one. Uh, as as it relates to the amount of footage, yeah, we, we ended up with 300 hours of footage after him having the cameras for 11 months. Had no idea what we were going to see. Quite honestly, I thought I would get a lot of um, shaky, uh, out-of-focus <laughs> footage with bad audio. And as I you know, started popping, uh, you know, the, the discs into the computer and, and watching it hour after hour. I was just, I was literally amazed over and over by the, the quality of the shots that he, that he got. And then just, um, 
just how philosophical and, and mm-hmm. you know, I guess when you think about being out there alone for so many hours, right, it's going to have two impacts on most of us, right? At times it's going to drive us crazy um, and it drives us crazy because we have so much time to think. But the, the other byproduct of that is you have a lot of time to think. And yeah. Michael's had a lot of time to think about his past and his present and, and life in general. And so you're, you're the beneficiary of some really remarkable mm-hmm. um, philosophical observations about life from this man. Yeah, and there are so many there are so many sequences of such just poetic poetic. I mean, I hesitate to even call it dialogue because it's not dialogue. It's just it's just in the moment, like exactly what he's thinking, and it's so it's so poetic. And you mentioned the way that he that he built the cabin, which the cabin itself is astonishing. It's just the 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 amount of work that must have gone into that is just amazing to me. And the way that he's that he goes through it, it's like you you kind of I think what the what the film really hits on is that. There's this man who had a lot, who had a lot going for him. He, he had a successful career in a couple of different fields, uh, from what it sounded like. And then he's he's this incredibly resourceful person who is able to sustain, like, keep himself alive in the wilderness on his own for for nearly a decade. And and yet he's he's still a victim of, of just circumstance and just just um, really really. Um, a really bad sequence of events and i think that it, there are moments where he where he mentions the he, he kind of refers to his situation and, and the overall like like not not choosing to be under a bridge or anything was that kind of um was that kind of theme something that was that was that was um not planned but was it something that um, you wanted to get out of him, or was that something that he that he just offered up on his own? Because um, there was a sense of sorrow and bitterness in in his uh, in his his monologues and in, in the movie about a situation. Was that just something that he offered up? <laughs> yeah, you know, I gave him. Um, I, I had typed out about 500 questions just okay. about his life um, to kind of you know get him started talking, but um, they were just you know very simple questions. And so um, no, everything you you know you hear him say, and not only what he says, but how he says it. It's just it's just him. It's just the, his view on life, and and. You know, I, I think what it really did for me, and, you know, we just saw this wonderful movie called Homeless, um, and, you know, it's very hard to put and, you know, to make a nice, easy um, categorization of how somebody becomes homeless or, you know, everybody's, you know, all these situations are different. And I, but I think if there is one common or a couple common themes, there's been a, you know, a, a difficult childhood and no support system Mm -hmm. and when things start to domino out of uh out of control or in the wrong direction you know it's usually not just one thing but it's you know one thing that hits the next domino and hits the next domino and by the time it gets to the 10th domino you know things are pretty far down an unfortunate path and um you know so while why michael is you know has some bitterness he you know he also at the same time i think accepts you know, a certain level of responsibility for um, for where he's at. He has one great, one of my favorite things he says in the entire movie is he says, um, you know, I'm not pure white, but I'm not a bad guy. Right. And to me, it's kind of like, it just sums up every one of us, you know? Mm-hmm. We're not pure white. None of us are perfect. Right. Right? But, man, we do our best. And, you know, he's doing his best. And he's not a bad guy. He's, um, which doesn't mean he hasn't done some things that he doesn't regret. He, I'm sure he has. We all have. But. He isn't a bad guy, and um, and so that's t- t- that would be really hard to come to grips with. Is I'm not a bad guy, but yet, 
you know, my life ended up this way. Right. It's 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 such a it's such a, a unique movie and and it's and I'm really thrilled that I got to that I got a chance to see it because with so many movies playing here it's it's you know it's a it's kind of the premise caught my eye and I'm really glad that I was able to see it. Me too. And uh, final question: uh, What cameras did did you give them exactly? I know that there one was a GoPro and one was a GoPro and two Sony Handycams. Nice. Wow. The, <laughs> The the visual the visuals are just astounding for for that it's 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 amazing like the the scenescapes of, of his of his of his home yeah. his, which is the entire the entire wilderness yeah is just amazing and and uh, yeah so so thank you so much for, for chatting with me and it's really been a pleasure and uh, best of luck to you on the on all that where can we find oh and <laughs> where can we find more information about about your work and yeah. and about Michael specifically yeah go to thebiglonely.com and uh, you know there's ways to kind of keep up with how Michael's doing and if anybody wants to help then there's there's ways you can go on there and, and help Michael out. Great, that is fantastic. Uh, thanks again and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see you around I'll see you around. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks man. No problem. Appreciate it. Alright, so Tiny, what were the two movies you saw and what did you think of them? Um, yeah, I got to see two movies. Um, the, the company I work for bought another company and this was the week they started to blend all our business together. So <laughs> I had to stay late at work a lot. And so I just, and we had October. It was just busy. It's just not a good time for the film festival. So I only got to see two. Uh, on Wednesday night, I saw a film called Under Construction. Uh, it was, it was filmed by, um, uh, the, the director's named, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, uh, Rubayat Hossein. Um, it is, it was filmed and is set in the city of Dhaka, which is the capital of, uh, Bangladesh, um, which is kind of Asia, like Southeast Asia area. Okay. Um, it's a really big city and it's really beautiful and shot really well. It had really very nice, uh, color palettes and everything. Um, but my inspiration for wanting to see the movie is the fact that uh, I recently started working with someone who is from Bangladesh and he's really cool. I've asked him a lot of stuff about his culture and he's been willing to share. And, um, it, when I saw this on the docket for uh, heartland film festival, I was like, I should go see this and just, you know, expose myself to more of the, you know, Bengali culture. Um, and so that was why I wanted to see the movie. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I did. Uh, I ended up, I ended up liking the movie. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it has its flaws and everything, but. What was it about? The, the movie is about, um, this, it's kind of about this, this woman who's an actress in the city of Dhaka. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's trying to be a sort of traditional Bengali wife and also be an independent woman who has her own career. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the theme that the movie runs with. Um, she, she tries to, she tries to, you know, have her input on these plays over the, the male director, but at the same time, she doesn't want to overreach and offend him or anything like that. And she's married and she wants to give her husband a child, but at the same time, it would, it would have a very negative effect on her career. Um, so it's just kind of, it's about her trying to balance, her desire to be independent and be a good a good wife and a, a good woman at the same time uh, mm-hmm. based on the standards of her culture um and and that was just a really good a, a really good um theme for the movie because i think the, the the bengali culture in bangladesh is is in a bit of turmoil right now um i mean i, I can't speak to 
to much about it because I've never been there and mm-hmm. I've, I've met one guy from there officially um, and I saw this movie so I'm not an expert by any stretch but uh, it, it based on what this film depicted it seems like at least the city of Dhaka I don't know about the entire country of Bangladesh it seems like it's in a, a state of change right now it's it's trying to cling to its you know traditional standards of its culture and its religion which uh, I think almost the entire country is uh, is Islamic is is Muslim mm-hmm. um, and so that's kind of linked with kind of a conservative mindset and the young people in Dhaka in Bangladesh aren't necessarily interested in that you know I think mm-hmm. I don't think any of them are necessarily secular or they're just like throwing their religion to the wind but they want to be fun young people who do fun things and, and they're not necessarily interested in, in all this tradition. And I think that's kind of where, where Bangladeshi or Bengali culture is right now. Um, by the way, someone from Bangladesh would be Bangladeshi or Bengali. Bengali oh. is, um, a, like a, an ethnic group who kind of lives mostly in Bangladesh, but somewhat in India as well. Mm. So, um, you can kind of use those two terms interchangeably. Um, so it really explored that theme throughout this whole movie, you know, kind of through the the life and career of of this woman. Um and I thought it was really well shot. It was a good 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 idea and a good theme for a film. Um I, I had I had trouble with the pace of it. It was just a very um it was a very slow burn. It didn't really pick up till about the middle of the second act. Mm-hmm. Um where some conflict really started rising rising up. Um that the conflict took a while to get started and then um the the ending was was really unsatisfying it just it felt like it kind of stopped like right before the climax was about to happen um she was involved in this play that they were going getting ready to show and it was going to be a very controversial and revolutionary play and the film ended before she even got to do the play it wow. just it kind of seemed like a drop to me um i I'd, I'd be curious to learn the uh the filmmakers motivations behind that maybe he had a good reason um but i I was i was kind of unsatisfied with it um but the acting was phenomenal um the the script was really was really good too and i think that that helped the uh the lead actress her name is shahana goswami again i don't know if i'm saying that right uh but she played uh roya the main character um she was just phenomenal she's really talented and clearly has a a knack for acting um doesn't help that she's really pretty too um um or it doesn't hurt that she's really pretty right right that's what i meant <laughs> um so overall i did enjoy the movie but the the two big the two big flaws kind of kind of drug it down a little bit for me um but i'm really glad i went like i said it was nice. it was it was a very quality exploration of bengali culture yeah when you uh when you told me about under construction in <laughs> in our in our chat um you mentioned that you mentioned that it ended abruptly like that, and I, I, I was really proud of myself because I said, "Would you say that it was under construction?" Because uh, uh, it didn't finish. But that, that's cool. I didn't get a chance <laughs> to see this one, so that's that's really interesting. I'll have to check it out if if I, I can get my hands on it at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that, uh, the second movie you saw? Uh, I the, I asked that knowing what it is. Yes, because you were there. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, the next day on Thursday, we went and saw a movie called The Champions, which is a documentary about um, the aftermath of the uh the um michael vick dogfighting controversy that that whole case um it's about the dogs who survived that and the attempt to rehabilitate them and and place them with families and 
basically make them pets again, um, make them actual dogs again instead of you know shells and just terribly terrified and mm-hmm. and and just damaged dogs. It's it was uh, it's a very sad situation, but um, this movie was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I. I can't say enough good things about it. Um, I, I think the only flaw I can think of the whole movie is that it was like too feel good. I mean, cause like, it's like, it's just like this absolutely awful situation, this mm-hmm. terrible event and this terrible life that these dogs had and just the exact opposite of what they, the exact opposite happens. Like they, <laughs> they, they find, I mean, Tragically, I think there were like 60 dogs found in that case, somewhere like that. Yeah, something like that. And only 22 of them were um, kept alive. They, they right. euthanized the, the other ones. Um, but I think the, the courts originally wanted to euthanize pretty much all of them. Yeah, they were um, under heavy pressure from uh, right. like PETA and the Humane Society. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, they were... It, it's, it's a borderline miracle that 22 of the dogs survived and were some people were allowed to try to rehabilitate them. Right. Um, and that's something that they made clear in the documentary. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I, I don't include that as a fault against the movie. Cause it's like, <laughs> it's not like they're bending the truth or anything. You know, right. it's, this is really what happened. And this is the outcome of the rehabilitation that these people have, uh, put these dogs through. Um, it was just like a, just an unbelievably beautiful movie. Um, these dogs were, it's. It, I was very interested in the fact that some of these dogs, um, they dealt with their, they dealt with their lives differently. I guess I'm not. I'm not articulating it well. Um, some of the dogs became very, very shy, and they yes. would not. Basically, in the presence of humans, they would just cower mm-hmm. and just lay themselves flat on the floor and not move. Um, but some of the other dogs would be aggressive, and they'd be, you know, they'd they'd see the humans as a threat. Um, some of the dogs enjoyed interacting with other dogs, mm-hmm. but some of them could not do that because, you know, their entire lives before that were right. just fighting their own kind. Um, so it's it, it makes sense when I see the documentary, but beforehand, I you know, I, I would just expect them all to be very aggressive and right. closed closed off dogs. Um, uh, one of the most interesting cases, I, I don't recall the dog's name. I think it was Lucas. Um, was he was Michael Vick's like champion? Oh yeah, like he he won like tons of fights and mm. was the most scarred up and arguably the roughest looking dog. Um, and when they found him, he was actually very friendly. Mm-hmm. And and again, they laid it out very logically. You know that um, it makes sense that he would connect with people because dog fighting is all about loyalty. It's about the dog being. 100% loyal to their owner and doing whatever their owner wants them to do, whatever. And so it makes sense that they wouldn't be aggressive towards people. Um, but it was just a very surprising thing. Um, yeah. It was surprising for me, but again, it doesn't make sense. So clearly throughout this documentary, they la- they laid out the, if you will, canine psychology right. of, of what these dogs went through and why they, why they are the way they are. Um, and that was a really strong, strong part of the documentary um they didn't um they didn't leave it up to mystery and they really explored again the psychology of these dogs and they, mm-hmm. they laid it out very well and presented everything really well um there were a lot of great moments of comedy in it too which <laughs> is 
a very good thing for such a dark situation that this came out of. Um, you kind of need to make your audience laugh. Um, and that's kind of easy to do with, with how charming and delightful some of these dogs are now. Um, if, if you're a dog person, obviously you're going to connect to this movie. Um, it's, uh, it really just, it really just makes you feel really great about the world. That's something that something so good can come from something so terrible. Right. Um, I think at one point in the film, one of the, one of the, the people who handles the dogs was saying, it's a terrible thing that happened and it would have been better if it never did. But like, look at all the good that came from it. Right. Look at all the, the good things that came from this. Um, yeah. It was just such a beautiful movie. I cried a handful I, of times. Yeah. If you don't cry at this, you probably don't have a soul. Right. Um, so I, I really, really love the champions and, uh, I think everyone should see it. I hope mm-hmm. it gets a wide release somehow. Right. I hope Netflix picks it up or something. Yeah. So. Me too. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll echo that. I, I loved, I love the champions. I actually have a review posted on, on the website, which I also forgot to mention that, uh, for all of my written coverage of, of Heartland Film Festival this year, you can go to obsessiveviewer.com slash Heartland 2015. That's where I have all of the links to everything on there. Um, and yeah, and I, I do plan on currently as, as of this recording, I still have like nine, nine posts to write. Wow. But by the time this is hopefully by the time this is released, but also hopefully at, at some point in the near future, this will be, it will be a complete page and everything. So, nice. um, yeah, so great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, should we, should we move on to the next segment? Sure. Okay. Um, well, since I didn't get to see very much, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my question is what, what did you think was, the best of Heartland. What is the best movie you saw? The best shorts, best horror, whatever. Well, uh, <laughs> well, there actually wasn't that much horror, but um, oh, really? yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the Heartland kind of has a focus on kind of indie drama and and and, uh, right. and indie like kind of uh, movies that move you and and uh, stay with you is what their kind of their motto. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say that this actually leads perfectly to uh to the introduction to to this. Um basically for for my best of Heartland segment I'm going to separate them into the best shorts I saw and the best features and to intro the best shorts segment um here's a recording that I had with Heather Jack who was the writer and director of a short um a short film called Let's Not Panic which was in the sci-fi shorts block of uh, short films. Uh, so here's my uh, somewhat awkward, uh, on my part, conversation with Heather Jack, who indulged my awkwardness for this for this uh, second. Okay, so I'm here with Heather Jack, uh, the filmmaker for uh, Let's Not Panic. That's part of the Sci-Fi Shorts program here at Heartland Film Festival. We're actually in the the outside pavilion thing that they have set up. It's new for this year. Um, yeah, so. So tell me about your short and uh, and how it came to be and, and uh, a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I like to describe it as a pre-apocalyptic rom-com. Uh, it's basically about a neurotic girl who's in love with her therapist, but then an asteroid is coming to hit New York, so she has to go from Brooklyn to Manhattan to reunite with him before the asteroid hits. <laughs> very good, very good. And this was your uh, thesis for NYU, NYU grad yeah. school? Yeah. Yeah, I went to NYU grad for film. Uh, this was my thesis project. And, uh, yeah, I was really fortunate. I, I actually went into the program as a producer. And so this was the first film that I wrote and directed. 
uh, I've had a long interest in comedy and I love working on comedic narrative projects so uh, I, I'd always wanted to direct something of my own and I'm, I, I feel very fortunate that I got into this festival and it's had a good run so far and I'm yeah I'm just excited that people get to watch it and like it so yeah it's great very cool is this your first experience with Heartland uh, Heartland Film Festival at all or yes okay. yeah this is my first time at Heartland uh, this is my first actual time in Indianapolis uh, I kind of did a road trip with my mom cross country and we we were this is not this was not that long ago it's pretty recently and we were passing through Indianapolis and I was like I don't really want to stop because I know I'm coming for Heartland so I wanted to feel fresh I don't want to nice. I don't want to spoil the surprise for when I'm here for the festival so uh, yeah but this is my first time here very cool um, the, your short seems to be about um, idealizing individuals and, and kind of tailoring your uh, perception of them to your fantasies of them and how that is not really not quite what you should be doing or or it's a uh, 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 part of the part of the short is that um, the therapist says that uh, our flaws make us human, and uh, that kind of carries throughout the entire the entire short. Um, can you speak a little bit about your um, your um, uh, 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 wow? What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, the the insp- inspiration for that, yeah, inspiration for that, and uh, and your your. Your inspiration for that? Yeah, well, I think that um, you know, again, like the theme is kind of that no one is perfect, and of course, like in a like let's say in a therapy setting, like the main character is here, um, you only get to see a certain amount of someone. Uh, so she sees the therapist in the sessions every day, and he's like confident and telling her what to do and how to live her life better, and she's you know kind of neurotic and. Uh, anxiety ridden and relies on him heavily but you know through the course of the story I hope that you see that yes you know she can be that way and that's fine and but but not everyone is like he has his own flaws that kind of reveal themselves through uh, the course of the film so there so I guess the point of it is is that we're all we're all human we're all doing the best we can no one is perfect and I think that's what makes that's actually what I think makes us interesting as people is our you know I do think that like our flaws make us more interesting and more you know kind of captivating and 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 fun to be around or you know I think it's it's right. it's part of the human experience so uh, that was something I, I hope to come across in the film so I'm glad that it, it did for you nice and I hope that me flubbing that question so hard oh, yeah. made me interesting to you <laughs> so much um, yeah nice. I, I hope that me answering in a roundabout way is the same so oh no no you were fine um, so I, I won't keep you that much longer but um, of the movies that you've seen at Heartland so far what's your favorite um, aside from your own yeah yeah, um, I loved uh, Sunny in the Dark, which was a feature that I saw here. Also, strangely, therapy-related. Like, I thought it would be an interesting combination if I had opened for that feature. It would have been... A, it, uh, that's about a family therapist who finds... Uh, uh, a person living in his crawl space above his apartment. It's it's really great. Um, I also loved a couple of the other shorts. I liked. Um, I believe it's called the Way of Tea, which was a, it's one of the award shorts. It's great. Um, 
And there was a Don Hertzfeld short that I liked a lot, uh, also in the awards program. Yeah, there's some, there's a lot of great film. The programmers have done an awesome job. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like I'm, I've been lamenting that I can only see so many because I, I have to, I have my day job. I have to work during the day, so like basically I'm, I'm still in my uniform from work because yeah, yeah. I just came straight from, from work to well, here. I'm glad so. you made it. I'm really yeah. happy that you were able to come tonight. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So uh, where can, where can people find like your work online and uh, and you you said during the Q and A that you're you're going to L A and yeah. you're writing a pilot and all that. Is it is it a comedy pilot? Because you said that you're yeah. a big fan of comedy. Nice. Uh, so I'm working on I'm working on writing more comedy. Um, hopefully directing more in the future. Also, uh, you can find out more about uh, when Let's Not Panic will be online if you follow us on Facebook. So just uh, look up Let's Not Panic on Facebook and you can like us and you'll get updates on when we're releasing online. Um, hopefully early next year and then uh, in, in terms of my own personal work I have a website it's just heather-jack.com great thank you very much and uh, it was a pleasure talking to you yeah, hope you have yeah hope you have a good rest of the you rest of the we just shook hands so it's great. we did yes it was very great not awkward or anything yeah, it was a perfect handshaking moment yeah I thought so too <laughs> It's worth mentioning that, uh, like after after she uh, after after I stopped recording, Heather uh, told me that she is going to that that Let's Not Panic is going to be screening at the Napa Valley Film Festival, which runs from November 11th to November 15th. Um, so if you're in that area and it's still before that time, um, you can ch- uh, catch it there. Um, but anyway, my top short films for uh, Heartland 2015 uh, was I'll just run really briefly to them through them. But uh, the Nomist, which uh, holy crap, man! <laughs> this uh, it was a documentary short in the art appreciation block of shorts. Um, so it's it's about this uh, this kind of mysterious uh, fairy village that pops up in this in this forest in I think Kansas. Um, that's no one knew like who was doing it or who was, who was creating them and putting them in there. It's like this little fairy village of these little miniatures and everything. But the, the appeal of it was that it showed, it showed, um, it showed how these little, like these little figures and everything, these little houses in this film, in the, um, in this forest, how they were affecting the the community in a very positive way. Like it showed a, and I'm like I'm getting chills just about to say this, but it showed like one one woman who said that I have like her like uh, introduction to the documentary was. Um, my name's so and so. I have two. I, I have a, a daughter who's this age, and I have another daughter who's forever three years old, uh, meaning that she passed away. Um, and so, so her arc through, the, through this short documentary is that, uh, the, the gnomus, the, pe- the person that was putting them together created this little, like this little house for her little girl after she had posted like a little, th- a little note saying that like commemorating her, her daughter in this, in this little village and everything. And it was just so heartwarming. And so, so like, I was crying throughout it. Like in my, in my, in my notes, I put down, I'm crying. <laughs> it was, it was incredible. So that was, that was, uh, that was probably the best short that I saw, but uh, other ones were, was, uh, the way of tea was incredible. It was one of the award shorts, uh, which they have it separated with, um, 
the festival award shorts are the ones that were nominated for awards for Heartland. Um, but The Way of Tea is about a white supremacist in France, I think, who it's a narrative, uh, who he's, he's walking around at night and he walks into this uh, Muslim man's um, um, convenience store. And so he's very, he's very, uh, he's very aggressive toward him. And then the man just calmly says, Hey, uh, let's go downstairs, have a cup of tea. And if you have a, if you have a cup of tea with me, I'll let you take anything you can carry out of the store. And so you think that it's, you think that it's just them going down, having a cup of tea and then him changing his mind and then, and then leaving and all that. Like that's, that's kind of how you think that it's going to go, but it goes more along the lines of the white supremacist mindset saying like, okay, he's going to go down. He has a cup of tea. He gets up and leaves, but then after getting all the groceries he can, Mm -hmm. and then the rest of it is like, there's, there's more to it than that. It's, um, people come, people come around and, and it's, it's a very, it's a very satisfying, satisfying movie about, about, um, um, uh, two different cultures and aggression and, and diffusing aggression. It's it's actually kind of inspired by a real event that happened. I think I think in Britain. I'm I'm not sure where it happened, but um, something where where uh, there was a conflict, um, like an ultra supremacist group, uh, was was uh doing something. I I'm butchering it, but it, it, it diffused the situation by having tea at it. So this hmm. was inspired by that. But the reason that it's one of the top ones for me is that it's. Not only is it just incredible in terms of storytelling, but it, the filming, the filmmaking was just freaking gorgeous. Like it wow. was, it was incredible. Like the lighting and just, and just the way the camera angled around certain, certain things. It was just a, a very well, well shot short. It was just absolutely stunning. It's a very topical subject right now as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. All the, the refugees from the, the conflict in the Middle East moving right. into Europe. Yeah. 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 Very topical. Yep. And then uh, the next, the next short, the next best of short. I'll keep these other ones brief. But uh, World of Tomorrow was just. It was in the. I think it was in the same. It was in the same block of shorts as, as the Way of Tea. It was one of the award shorts. It was freaking adorable. Like it was. A, it was an animated thing of this woman. I can't. I don't even know how I can explain it. But it's basically this little girl gets like a video a video message from this older woman who is not her in the future, but a clone of her way in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so hilarious because it's basically the, the premises. This woman is telling her past self technically about the future. And, but the, the, she's a little girl who's like, like barely can barely speak that like that well. Huh. So like, she's like, she says something like, it's very important that you do this. And then she's like, I had lunch today. <laughs> it, was, it was just freaking adorable. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and then in the sci-fi block of shorts, uh, are the, the I'm rounding out this this block of uh, my best of Heartland segment, but uh, in the both in the sci-fi shorts there was the leap, which was a uh, I think it was like a 30 minute short where it was uh, about a futuristic society where um, passenger or where where um, people are immigrating to to quote unquote New Earth. And, uh, and it's all about this, how, how people smuggling people to New Earth, um, has created this entire, like, sub, like, organized crime subculture where that, where it's basically like human trafficking to, for a better life. Like, kind mm. of, uh, kind of like people, you know, jumping the border and stuff like that, right. but on a much, much big scale. Mm-hmm. But the, the short kind of talks about one agent who's like a kind of a, the equivalent of a border control agent or whatever, but they're mm-hmm. very like militarized and everything. Um, how he deals with a massacre that he was a part of 15 years before and, uh, and how he, his, 
his interaction with a prostitute um, kind of brings back those memories. It's 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 really like I like in my notes. I had an I had a notebook all throughout Heartland that I kept notes in during every screening. Um, I just wrote like I think two or three times. I want to see this as a feature. I want to see mm. a feature length of this because nice. uh, it was amazing. It was great. And then. Finally, the best short that I, the, uh, on the list of best shorts I saw was Let's Not Panic, uh, which, if, the, as you heard in that recording, is about a, it's a pre-apocalyptic rom-com, uh, that, that plays with a lot of, uh, really interesting themes and everything. And it was, it was really good. And I was really happy to get to talk to the filmmaker for that. Cool. Um, yeah. So up next, you saw some features as well. I did. What were your favorite features? Well, uh, to introduce this, um, <laughs> here's a recording with Esham and Ian, Ian Nelms, the uh, co-writers and directors for Waffle Street, which didn't actually make my list of best, but it was it was like right at the cutoff. It yeah. was it was amazing. I'll talk about it later, but um, but yeah, and they were they were here's here's the recording. Okay, so I'm here with Ian and Esham Nelms, the uh, directors of and co-writers yes. of of, uh, of Waffle Street here at Heartland Film Festival. Um, it's an it's an awesome movie, and uh, I just wanted to talk to you guys about it uh, really briefly. Uh, if you want to just tell people what what the movie is and uh, and uh, just kind of kind of pitch it to the audience, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah, the movie's called Waffle Street, and it's basically about Jimmy Adams. He's a, he was managing a thirty billion dollar hedge fund. He loses his job. And then he goes to work at a waffle, a waffle joint, as he tries to figure out what he's going to do with himself. Where he meets uh, Edward, like a, a short order cook, a feisty short order cook who pretty much deals him the real life, the real life values of, of working a blue collar job. Yeah, and it's based on the memoir of the same name yeah. uh, by James Adams. And you know, for us, it was a Pinocchio story. So James becomes a real boy. <laughs> yeah, um, and I—I've never worked in the in the food industry or anything like You're that. Um, yeah, I know I, every. Every story I've heard is like like that's I, I can't imagine some uh, some of the stuff that, that goes into that kind of work and I feel like that was depicted like really well in the movie and uh, especially the moment where where um, where where he's kind of just brought down like during the rush where I was like that feels so authentic to that and uh, and also I have to ask the sound effects of the toilet like oh my god like that was so that felt so so real and very uh, yeah very. Very, uh, very, very gross, um, yeah. Yeah, but very had, effective. We had an amazing sound mixer. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave West. Dave West. He's Emmy Award-winning sound sound designer. Wow. Uh, we were very fortunate to get him. He basically came on because he loved the project. We couldn't pay him all that much, but, I mean, he came on. He had a, a lot of fun working on that scene. <laughs> and, and the scene was gross to start with. Yeah. Uh, and then when we watched it with the sound in the studio, we were getting a little bit ill, and we know the behind the scenes, <laughs> so we were like, wow, this is really effective, Dave. Congratulations. Um, to, to, to your first question, I think um, why those scenes in the restaurant feel authentic is because Ian and I worked in restaurants. I was just yeah. going to ask that, yeah. So we, we, we spent three years, four years, I don't even know, I've lost track, yeah. waiting tables, you know, eking out a living while we're trying to get our film career going in Los Angeles. Wow. So it's, that's all from first-hand experience. Yeah. Thankfully, we've moved out of the restaurant business <laughs> is, our daily, is our daily grind, but uh, we still have daily grind, so. But it's burned in deep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it seems like the kind of, that line of work just kind of sticks with you. It does. Yeah. Um, and this is your second feature film, or is do you have more? This what, is pretty uh, much our fourth feature film. Oh, wow. 
but our first two, like we made an $1,100 movie, a feature film, and then we made a, a $5,500 movie, a feature yeah. film. In the glory days of yeah. mini-DV. So 2004, <laughs> 2005, we were out slinging mm-hmm. mini-DV cameras, uh, rebel style on the streets of Los Angeles, getting it done. And yeah. then um, in 2013, we made Lost on Purpose. Mm-hmm. And Which that, also stars James Lafferty, right. Jane Kaczmarek, Dale Dickey. C. Um, Thomas Howell. C. Thomas Howell. So we were very fortunate to piece that one together. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And then from there, yeah, that one actually got us this one straight away. So that is fantastic. And you guys are already working on your next movie. We are. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to say what? Uh, what Yeah, it's called Small Town Crime. It's a crime thriller about an ex-cop who finds a dead body and becomes, you know, obsessed with finding the killers. Nice. And from and we got that one from Waffle Street. Nice. Two of the producers seem to be climbing uh, a small ladder, baby steps at a time. That is very cool. Two of the producers from Waffle Street um, fell in love with the project. Fell in love with the project, and Brad Johnson and. uh, John, John Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. And so we're going to be putting that together next year. Fantastic. And uh, in, is Heartland the. Uh, what, is there more film festivals for Waffle Street? Uh, yeah, yeah. Up, we're, or we're going from be? Heartland in like a week. We go to Ojai and then we go to Kugelors, which is in North Carolina. And then I guess uh, Red Rock in Same Utah. Time. Yeah, and then there's something else that happens there. So maybe it's Beloit somewhere. There's special screening in Beloit, I think, in Wisconsin. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, those that's what's on the board right now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And uh, and where can where can our listeners find like the uh, Waffle Street online in terms of uh, its media presence and social there's, media presence? There's WaffleStreetMovie.com, but then once it's pretty much just a standard that leads you to our Facebook and our Twitter and our, our I think we have an Instagram. Do we have Instagram? Maybe we don't have Instagram. I'm not sure about Instagram. Yeah. But, uh, we have, we definitely, definitely have Facebook, Facebook and Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Nice. That's probably the easiest places. Awesome. Uh, thank you. And and one final question uh have you guys been able to check out any of the movies here oh yeah uh, yeah well which one's your favorite that you've seen we've been watching three to four a day and probably my favorite film is probably uh band of robbers that one oh. i'll have a good time and i and i really enjoyed band of robbers well but the the big lonely standout oh. film for me oh that was movie. fantastic um i think uh india's daughter very profound yeah. really heart-wrenching i mean for us it was hard, it's hard to pick one to be honest there's so many yeah. great movies we had a great time at crocodile i believe it's Gandhi. Yeah, I've Gian, heard it Gian, pronounced Gian, so many different Gian, times. Crocodile Gennady. I, I apologize sure. for murdering that, yeah, but uh, we loved it nonetheless. Anglo. <laughs> but, I mean, for us, but for us, we haven't seen a bad movie here. Yeah, and that's, oh, yeah. And that's the real testament to the festival. Oh, absolutely. You go to a festival this size and you don't see a bad movie, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I've been I've been just kind of hitting the pavement just seeing as much as I can because this yeah. is my first like media pass on, on, a, on a film festival. Gotcha. And it's like... I'm like I'm sitting there like I, I I don't dislike really anything that I'm seeing. This is yeah. amazing. Like the 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 uh, they've curated such a nice such a, such a great grouping of movies. It's amazing to me. Yeah. So. I think I think for us just and we were just talking about this the other day. It's like the level of independent cinema mm-hmm. is rising. I mean, like, the, like a high tide. I mean, I remember when we started in the 2004, 2005, it, just getting a movie, shooting it on mini DV, that was an accomplishment. Yeah. Now, because the the, the tech has democ- democratized, the pro- it's been democratized, and anyone can make a movie with. I mean, you can make a wonderful looking movie with your iPhone. Oh yeah. So it's forcing everyone now, now that the content, the storytelling is elevating with that tech rise. So for us, I mean, I think the, the democratization of the tech is amazing. It's going to make everyone better storytellers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, guys, for, Thanks, for Matt, chatting man. with me. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, love the movie. Can't wait, to, uh, can't wait to see what you guys do next. Awesome. Honestly, it's, it's fantastic. So thank you. Thank you, thank you Esham and the Innelms. And they were, like, two of the nicest guys, like, ever. It was nice. amazing. Like, it was, uh, I think it was Thursday or Friday. or I know it was a Saturday of the, of the last Saturday of the film festival. And, like, going into their, going into their screening, they were shaking hands with everybody wow like everyone that came in shook hands with everyone that came out they seemed just cr- like incredibly grateful to to be there and everything and then like I, I did my recording and then like we walked around the lobby and talked for about
about good 10, 10 minutes or so before I had to run off to my next screening. And then like that, I came out of the next screening and they saw me and waved and asked me how the movie was that I saw. And I was like, I was like, these guys are so super down to earth, super cool guys. Awesome. Yeah. So best of Heartland features for me, top one has to be Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. Nice. It was amazing. It basically, it's about, um, a group of kids in 1982 who started making a shot for shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and they filmed it over seven summers, um, as, as they're, as they were kids. So and they didn't film it in sequence. So they're, they're changing age throughout, throughout <laughs> the entire thing. But what happened was, uh, they, some, somewhat they had a falling out, somewhat they didn't, they didn't, uh, they, they finished everything except for one, one scene, which was the iconic, uh, scene with the, with the airplane. Mm-hmm. And Raiders of the Lost Ark. So the documentary chronicles their them reuniting thirty years later to get this <laughs> final shot and or this final scene shot. And it's it's like it's one it's it's I, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> it's it's the perfect blend of documentary um it, without uh, like like documentary and then also comedy like there's they have these like talking heads of, of them talking about the filming of it uh, and there's something that happens in the in the mesh of of them they're not speaking nostalgically about it they, well they are speaking nostalgically but it's also their they're recounting events in their childhood that are kind of horrific like like uh like they like uh the bar scene they actually had fire and like they like <laughs> as kids they nearly killed themselves doing this oh, so they have like throughout the throughout the documentary they're talking about like oh yeah we did this and we did this and so with the benefit of hindsight and time they say it like it's no big deal or whatever but then it intercuts it with clips of of them like like behind the scenes like screwing up and doing like like not horrible things but doing like really dangerous things and it's (laughs) it's just the perfect it's it's absolutely phenomenal it's amazing so raiders the story of the greatest fan film ever made um it actually was at south by southwest uh not too long ago um so yeah that was great and then Peace Officer was a really like really affecting and really powerful documentary um, about this guy who used to be the um, sheriff in a sheriff in a a county in Utah who he basically he 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 was the sheriff in Utah in that in that particular place who got um, who who started the SWAT unit. Um, mm-hmm. when he was sheriff and then, um, sometime later, and I think it was 2004, his son-in-law was shot and killed by the SWAT unit. Wow. Um, and so the whole documentary is about him, him, uh, like it starts out with him, uh, saying that he was witness to a murder and no one ever saw justice for it. So it's all about him kind of examining the militarization of police. And it's, it's just really, it's really powerful. It's, it's amazing. And he goes through like he, um, he he uh, reconstructs crime scenes and like he talks to like he it's filled with a bunch of examples of different um different case studies of different uh, of different cases similar to his son-in-laws and it's just oh man it's like like for context me like i'm like i i've lived in a police family like my entire Mm -hmm. life my entire childhood was like never question police, never question anything. Like like police have the right. Like I never. Anytime there was a, there was a there was a kind of negative spin on police in the news or whatever. Like my my entire family like motto was like okay, well they they're they're dumb. It's not people are just uh, um, 
I don't know how to phrase it. The, the, it was just com- completely casting aside any negativity toward police. It was just uh, police as a respectable pr- uh, profession and all that. So mm-hmm. seeing this, where it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't like destroy or it doesn't like. I don't know. It isn't like a solely. I don't know. From the perspective of a guy of a guy who was a sheriff and he's a respectable guy. His name's Dub. Um, seeing that perspective and also showing different perspectives of of, of militarization of the police and everything. It was just a really in, in, engaging documentary, and it was mm-hmm. it was incredible. I I absolutely loved it, and I yeah, it was amazing. Um, next up is Fourth Man Out, <laughs> which is a narrative. The rest of these on, on my list are narratives, uh, and in fourth man out was just hysterical um it's about a guy who on his 24th birthday decides to come out to his best friends who are very very uh dude bro guys and uh i'm very proud of this fact that uh after seeing it i tweeted or the next day i was writing my review at work at, while doing work um <laughs> But I, I was writing my review and then I just basically tweeted out saying like my goal for the, or uh, my work today has consisted of um, trying to fit in the word bromophobia into my review of Fourth Man Out. <laughs> and and the director like responded and was like, do you mind if we use that? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Um, but no, uh, Fourth Man Out's amazing. It's uh it's it starts out a little like it it really tackles like casual homophobia and and bromophobia as I'm as I talked as i said it um just the casual um casual uh um homophobia thrown around and and in dudes and stuff and bros um but it's it's a really touching and poignant story about a guy who's kind of shy and, and and he's he's striking out into into the dating world publicly dating men for the first time in his life and it's it plays with themes of, of dating that are just absolutely universal. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, it, it's, it's a really powerful comedy and it's, it's, it was really good. Um, nice. Yeah. And then, uh, next up is sunny in the dark, which it was emotionally, uh, a bit of an emotional drain, uh, in a good way, like a really good way. It's about a, um, a family psychiatrist who buys a loft and, and he's really lonely. He's, he's just, he's, he's going through a breakup. Um, or he's, 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 he's failing to find connection with people. Mm-hmm. But the hook of the movie is that there is a young woman who is living in the crawl space above his loft. Oh, okay. And so the whole movie is about them. It, it's a really interesting, um, dichotomy between these two characters where they don't they're not like like he's not aware of her presence but she's like watching him throughout like every day and like she sneaks down when he's away and gets food and all that stuff and it's Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting uh juxtaposition of these two people who just can't like can't connect with other humans and and it's it's really it's it's really great i i really loved it that sounds um, awesome yeah it was it was amazing it was mm. actually amazing was um, that what was the girl's name ann no no oh arrested <laughs> development no 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 like ann frank ann frank she's hiding in the attic jesus christ tiny <laughs> what it wasn't insensitive no no it wasn't <laughs> i just because I, I i don't know why what it says about me that i went to arrested development like yeah. like i have pop popping in the attic okay and, gotcha yeah. anyway <laughs> no no her name her name missed wasn't opportunity Anne. yeah missed opportunity Finally, the best, fe- the other best feature I saw was uh, homeless. Which uh, earlier in the in the recording, um, earlier in the episode, you heard me and uh, Dave Manugian, uh talk about it. 
briefly. But Homeless was, and I'm so bummed that I didn't get a chance to talk to the filmmakers. The filmmakers were there. They have ties to Indiana. Uh, I think they actually live in Evansville even. But, um, or I think they live in Nashville, but they used to live in Evansville. But anyway, so I talked to them and I didn't get a chance to record with them. But um, Homeless is a narrative feature about um, this kid named Josh who is homeless. And the entire movie, he's, it's, it's, it's amazing. It takes the, the perception and, and the, um, the kind of stereotype of homelessness and just flips it on its ear. Cause this hmm. character is, he's a teenager. He's just a purely a victim of circumstance. And it's about this, it's about how, how without, without having a, um, without having, uh, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like, a um, support system in place like how you can fall through the cracks and just get it sucked into this cycle of of just really like where you can't move up like you can't mm-hmm. you can't dig yourself up like um and it was filmed it was filmed uh, part of it was filmed in a real homeless shelter with real homeless people mm-hmm. and it's just it's just heart-wrenching it's it's really heartbreaking like um like like tiny okay so say you say the worst thing happens and you you're forced to live on live on the street or whatever mm-hmm. like you have no place to turn like you you have people in your life that you could yeah conceivably come to and everything you're always welcome on my couch but um, <laughs> but like imagine not having anything not having yeah. anyone to turn to and how just really hard that would be uh-huh. and that's what this this movie depicts so so well it's it's really powerful it's called homeless um wow. yeah it's it's incredible um yeah so that's that's the best of what i saw at uh hardline film festival and we'll we'll get to what the rest i yeah saw <laughs> <laughs> yeah Okay, guys, you know what that sound means, I think, probably. I don't know if I've ever really communicated what it means when I play the TARDIS sound, but basically it means that I'm cutting into this episode, uh, for, or there's a time jump in the episode. So basically, we recorded a lot of content about Heartland Film Festival, and uh, we have a whole, like another hour and 40 minutes uh, worth of us talking uh, and my interviews with filmmakers. So I've decided to cut this episode into two episodes. What you just heard is the episode that's the best of the Heartland Film Festival. Um, and then here probably in a couple days I'll release the rest of it, which is the rest of the films that I watched and, and my breakdown of each movie that I that I watched and everything. Um, before I let you go, however, I do want to thank uh, everyone that I talked to at Heartland, specifically the people that were... Uh, kind enough to let me use their uh to to use their time and use their recording here in this episode uh patricia riggan the director of the 33 uh david Manugian, the director of the big lonely uh heather jack writer and director of let's not panic and esham and ian nelms uh the writers and directors of waffle street of course you can find links to all of these people's work and all the links to all the movies that we discussed in this episode in the show notes, or you can go to obsessiveviewer.com slash OV136, which is where the uh, the actual show notes are residing in blog form. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks for listening, and again, uh, thank you to uh, everyone at Heartland, specifically Sarah and Greg, the, the, the marketing team, that, that they were kind of like... Uh Kind of, kind of, uh, they were the people I interacted with the most in, in terms of uh, getting into the press 
uh, festivities and stuff like that. So uh, definitely indebted to them. And um, I can't wait for you guys to hear the rest of this episode. Uh, Thanks, and I'll see you later. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.